0: podcast. This is your host Maisie Clark reporting to you from London. On today's podcast I'm very pleased to be joined by Patrick Fiegel. Patrick is a partner and head of the Energy and Infrastructure Practice of the Warsaw Office of Linklaters. He is a Polish qualified lawyer with almost 20 years of experience in infrastructure and energy investments as well as natural resources, environmental protection and real estate across Poland and the wider CEE region. Patrick has led Linklaters Warsaw Energy and Infrastructure Practice since 2014 His primary focus of late has been on matters involving the preparation, acquisition, and financing of renewable and conventional energy investments, as well as on infrastructure investments, including toll motorways. Patrick studied law at the University of Rochelaw and business at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Patrick, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: It'll be really great to get your perspective on this topic. I think a good place to start would be to give our listeners a brief background to the current state of the offshore industry in Poland and the legislation that already exists to facilitate growth in the sector.
1: So, uh, it's a very exciting time to uh, talk about offshore in Poland. Uh, why? I would say for three main reasons. Uh, first, uh, there was no, unfortunately, a better time uh, for Poland to start thinking about energy independence. Uh, so that's that's absolutely the crucial moment for us to start uh, and start implementing offshore wind uh, on the Polish Polish Baltic uh, sea uh, secondly uh, you know uh, the requirement to decarbonize is also now appealing uh, like never before and and thirdly we have as you rightly pointed out uh, we have now legislative legislation in place uh, which is generally Accepted by both the developers and the financiers, uh, and I think you know this provides for a bankable uh, legal basis for the projects to be developed and financed. So it's a perfect timing, you know, to to uh, speak about offshore wind in Poland, indeed.
0: Yeah, and the sector seems to be expanding with uh, Shell's Amber Baltic Wind having submitted proposals for new offshore wind locations in the Baltic Sea as part of the government's latest tender, you know, as recently as last month. Which Polish offshore wind projects are Linklaters involved in and how are they progressing?
1: I mean, I would say I would answer this question in in twofold manner. First, uh, is about the projects that we have in so-called the first phase. Uh, which was like uh, some people refer to it like a pre-bid phase. Uh, Why pre-bid? Because there was no auction uh, for the first wave of of the projects which are now uh, most advanced in terms of uh, the development. So here we're talking about the capacity uh, of uh, 5.9 gigawatt. uh, And these projects are being uh, developed and soon will be constructed uh, by a combination of uh, published domestic uh leading utilities uh and the foreign utilities or financial investors uh so this is the 5.9 giga uh pack uh, which is going first uh to be launching uh as soon as 2026 or something like that so that's that's the first uh pre-bit phase then the second one which you mentioned about the shell is the second wave and that will be that will be done, the CFD award will be through uh, a competitive uh, auction bid. And also uh, application for the CBIT permits will also uh, uh, go through uh, a competitive process um, because uh, there are 11 locations for the second round uh, and there have been over 130 applications filed. So the competition will be fierce. Uh, and we would see, we would see, uh, I think, a lot of transactions on the secondary market. So those who will be awarded uh, with these uh, with these uh, areas uh, or the right to develop in those areas of the Polish exclusive economic zone will then probably need to look for the partners, uh, either domestic or foreign, to develop those projects. Uh, and in this first phase, I mean, we, we have been involved uh, out of five, I think we have reviewed this way or another uh, four uh, of these projects which are leading right now. Uh, that was in the so-called equity phase, where developers were either looking for partners or for the buyers uh, or both. Uh, so, so that's we have seen. Uh, and we've been very active in the very first projects uh, 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 when started you know, uh, about five years ago. And currently, uh, we're also involved in one of the leading uh, uh, phases uh, uh, for for obtaining the uh, bank financing. So we are are, are acting as a uh, lender's legal advisors for one of these these, uh, leading consortiums that are are now developing the, the projects.
0: Great. And I guess on that topic, how is the lending pool looking for offshore projects in Poland? Is there much international appetite? And if so, from where and which domestic banks are looking the strongest in the sector?
1: Yes, I mean, for over the last five years, there have been uh, an appetite uh, which has mainly manifested by way of uh, us for instance getting the number of queries for for you know all usual uh, uh, suspects in terms of who could be providing and arranging for the for the for the bank financing uh so i, I would i would i would i would put it uh, i would answer this question in the following way where are they from from everywhere literally from everywhere uh because uh, we would all uh, we will all see uh the uh, usual suspects uh, usual lenders from uh, from western europe We would also see uh, export credit agencies from uh, wherever the investors or the uh, equipment providers will be or or are coming from. That also includes, uh, you know, Asia. Uh, And then uh, we also see domestic players, both uh, both uh, uh, commercial banks uh, and uh, state. Controlled or, or state-owned uh, agencies that will be that will most likely need to be involved, uh, given how capital-intensive uh, this this industry is, especially in the first phase. Uh, on top of that, uh, I cannot imagine these 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 projects being developed without an involvement of uh, of, of the uh, you know European Investment Bank uh, and uh, European uh, EBRD. Uh, so, so these are, are also, I think, uh, a crucial players that will be involved uh, in the in the at least the first round of the financing. So uh, you would see a mix of, you know, uh, foreign and domestic, uh, privates and multilaterals, uh, also backed by uh, export credit agencies, uh, which will be required, uh, you know, to make this, especially the first the first financing round, uh, happening.
0: Yeah, it certainly seems to be a very diverse and global lending pool. If we move away slightly from that, what is the significance of the Polish offshore wind sector deal? Chains to develop local content in the supply chain, supporting construction and operation of offshore wind farms. And to what extent is, if any, is this mitigating supply chain risks?
1: Oh, it's it's been a great great achievement of of the industry uh, and also the government uh, and local governments. Uh, in Poland, that they were able to to come together and have you know over two hundred signatories of this deal, uh, so that's really impressive, and this helps to to this helps to uh, develop and unite the Polish industry, uh, which at the time when the deal was signed, probably nobody expected uh, what is happening right now uh, at our uh, eastern border, uh, and uh, I think it's crucial. Uh, that the Polish industry uh, will be speaking with a one voice and will manifest themselves as an important element uh, of the of creation of creating uh, an industry in Poland, which, as a matter of fact, already exists. Because uh, although we have no uh, uh, wind farms spinning on the on the Polish Baltic Sea, uh, we have an industry already. I mean, we're constructing. Uh, uh, foundations. Uh, we are also uh, providing towers, uh, not to mention the, the cables uh, for the offshore uh, wind farm. So this industry already exists, and the and the sector deal aims at you know unifying and boosting and creating a proper uh, offshore industry in in Poland. It also has to do with the local content requirement, uh, and uh, the idea is that uh, the first. Uh, round of offshore development. So the pre-bid phase, which I've mentioned, will have about 20 to 30% uh, local content uh, element uh, in the capex. So 20 to 30%, the first uh, phase, which is now being developed. Uh, The second phase, which is to be developed by or around 2030, uh, will have uh, about 40% for zero. Uh, and later it needs to be about 50% uh, of the local contact in terms of the capex expense on the, on the development. Uh, so it is a significant, uh, so the significant, uh, significance of this, of this deal is important uh, because it shows that the determination of both the government, local government and the industry in Poland uh, to create uh, a proper industry sector uh, which will focus uh, on uh, on developing Polish offshore. But I think it will be Poland and beyond, because also our our Baltic neighbours, so three Baltic states, uh, also have ambitious, um, ambitious uh, plans to develop offshore. But of course, uh, the industries and the scale is, is different to Polish. Uh, and I think we can be involved as a Polish industry uh, in helping these countries develop and also basically make a one... Uh, one, you know, uh, a block, I would say, of, of, of the Baltic countries that are working together uh, in that sense. So I would hope that, uh, uh, you know, someday or also the three Baltic states uh, will also come and sign uh, this deal or another, uh, because I think it will really boost up uh, and um, um, accelerate the development both in these three countries and in Poland. So I think, you know, we need to think about Poland and beyond. Uh, especially in the original terms Uh, and that's really that would be uh, an important step forward in developing uh, offshore on the Baltic Sea.
0: Yeah definitely it would be great to see that inspire collaboration between the Baltic States as you say but outside of kind of well we've touched briefly on supply chain issues but what are the current hurdles to financing offshore wind in Poland?
1: I would say the, these, these hurdles are, are the reflection of the hurdles you would see anywhere else in, in Europe. Uh, and it's, but also the thing that we will be doing this for the first time in this, in this region uh, and on this, on this sea. Uh, you know, there have been already some developments on the Baltic, especially in Germany, uh, but still, in a way, offshore in, on the Baltic is an uncharted territory. Uh, which needs to be especially with the first projects going forward, uh, which will be which will be then you know uh, discovered uh, and uh, it is still in its infancy. so we would probably be seeing all the you know two thing issues that you would uh, that have been overcome you know 10, 15 years ago elsewhere in in the in the northern Europe. Uh, so these are the hurdles I think I would see. so there are more, I would say mental hurdles than the real hurdles, uh, because uh, you know this. The beauty of this industry is so is that it is so uh, unified, uh, and it's also able and allows uh, you know to do a copy and paste in a way once you know what's on the on the on the new territory. Uh, but before you do the first copy and paste, uh, one needs to double check you know what's on the what's on the underground. Uh, so, this is, this is, I think, you know, uh, from my conversation with the industry players, that's, that's, I think, the main hurdle that, you know, repeats this way or another. Uh, in addition to this, uh, what else uh, could I say? Um, they all did, I mean, these, these, I would say, issues are related. It's like installation ports, uh, installation vessels. Uh, so, uh, there are two uh, places uh, which are scheduled for uh, developing the installation port. One is in Gdańsk uh, and another uh, uh, is in Stettin. Uh, both are, are well-established, uh, you know, harbor series ports, uh, but they need to be still developed and they won't be ready before, you know, beginning or mid of uh, 2025, whereas, uh, you know, the ambition plans the Polish developers have is to have the first uh, uh, windmills spinning in 2026. So it will be tight. It will be tight. Uh, so, you know, that's also, you know, and then when you look at the situation that we have right now, uh, the geopolitical situation, uh, one would say, is it all feasible given the, you know, our, uh, uh, the steel prices going through the roof, uh, you know, labour pi- prices going very high given the inflation, etc., cetera, et cetera. So uh, I-, I would say we have uh, the hurdles that we see is the reflection of what is happening elsewhere, and uh, in, especially in Europe, but also there are, you know, some domestic specific elements, but the main one is the infancy and the thing that, you know, we will be doing the pioneering pro- uh, pioneer projects uh, in in poland and that's and that's the first i think and the main hurdle that i would i would i would see other than that i think the rest is, is to over is to be overcome uh, but it will require probably uh an increase of the increase of the capex and most likely also uh extension of the of the of the deadlines for delivery uh this is of course a, a bit of a headache uh but i believe it will be overcome
0: That's great. And if we move on, the contract for difference approach is undoubtedly appealing to international lenders. But what are, if any, are the drawbacks from that?
1: That's a good question. Thank you. Uh, I I would say, um, mainly, uh, mainly from our discussions with the investors and the financiers, uh, we see that uh, it is accepted uh, as a, as a, a security instrument in a way for the for the investment that is done it provides a stability Uh, but uh, at the same time it also gives uh, uh, some of the more uh, i would say greedy investors um, a bit of a headache to say oh why do we really need it uh, if we have uh, such a high energy prices on the market uh, currently and you know, most likely in the foreseeable uh, midterm uh, future. Uh, so, uh, so I think the approach uh, to to this this uh, to, to this system is, on one hand, sign. Many people see "Oh, yeah, it's good. Uh, it's good. To, we we have it." Uh, some uh, some of the universities that I've spoken to would say, "Oh, but it's quite long. And how do we match it with a tenor? Because uh, it is you know, the policy of these for 25 years." Uh, and uh, some some of the lenders would like to see a bit a shorter term for of the return of the of their investment uh, and their loans, uh, but others would say, oh, we love it because you know we are in the uh, life insurance business, for instance, and it really matches our investments there because it's uh, it's such a long termish long termish uh, instrument. So uh, so the uh, approaches are somehow mixed uh, as, as as I've just described. But uh, overall, it is an accepted accepted instrument. Uh, there has been a bit of a, a moaning about that it might be too low, uh, especially given the, 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 the first of its kind nature of the investment to be to be done in Poland. But uh, it is not something that most of the, most of the uh, lenders or the investors would say, no, we can't live without it. It's, it's not a, for sure, it's absolutely not a showstopper. It's something to the contrary, something that people like and appreciate and trying to find uh, the ways to optimize their investments on the basis of, of that instrument.
0: Yeah, definitely. And how does debt pricing for Polish renewables deals stack up against other EU markets?
1: Well, it will be. To, it is to be seen, really, uh, because uh, at the moment uh, none of the projects, to my knowledge, have reached that phase uh, yet. But uh, it's probably something. If we talk uh, towards you know uh, Q4 of this year, I will be able to tell you more about that. At this stage, it is to be seen, uh, but one can say clearly. The, the global uh, situation both economically and also for the offshore industry, uh, you know, in a way, uh, offshore is booming anywhere in the world, you know, mainly uh, you know Asia now and, and North America, uh, and uh, demand for uh, turbine supply is extremely high, uh, so it's a question about you know prices going up uh, for the for the raw material for the ready material. Uh, also, the supply chains uh, and, you know, the issues with the transportation from Asia, from China to Europe, uh, they will also play uh, their role. Uh, so it's all about, you know, how can you make sure that uh, you at some, time, some point fix the CAPEX for the, for, the, for the project? And once the CAPEX is fixed, then I think uh, that's, that will be the moment, I mean, to the extent it's fixable uh, these days. Uh, I think that will be the moment when we will be able to say uh, what will be the margins uh, expected on on these investments. Uh, But uh, it is to become, uh, and uh, we need to, uh, I would say, wait and see uh, for the right moment uh, to arrive.
0: Yes. Um, Thanks, Patrick. I'm afraid that's all we have time for, but thank you so much for taking the time to join me on today's podcast. It's been a really interesting discussion. And it will be really fascinating to see what the next steps are for offshore in the Baltic, particularly when it comes to financing and and that ever elusive debt pricing. Thanks.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for the very good questions.
0: You're very welcome.